Chapter Five of the Night Side of Nature, or Ghosts and Ghost Seers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paesra Utrecht. The Night Side of Nature, or Ghosts and Ghost Seers, by Catherine Crow. Chapter Five: Warnings, Part One this comparison between the power of presentiment in a human being and the instincts of an animal may be offensive to some people but it must be admitted that as far as we can see the manifestation is the same whatever be the cause now the body of an animal must be informed by an immaterial principle let us call it soul or spirit or anything else for it is evident that their actions are not the mere result of organization and all i mean to imply is that this faculty of foreseeing must be inherent in intelligent spirit let it be lodged in what form of flesh it may while with regard to what instinct is we are in the meanwhile in extreme ignorance instinct being a word which like imagination everybody uses and nobody understands Animoser and Schubert believe that the instinct by which animals seek their food consists in polarity. But I have met with only two modern theories which pretend to explain the phenomena of presentiment. The one is that the person is in a temporarily magnetic state, and that the presentiment is a kind of clairvoyance. That the faculty, like that of prophetic dreaming, is constitutional, and chiefly manifested in certain families, is well established and the very unimportant events, such as visits and so forth, on which it frequently exercises itself, forbid us to seek an explanation in a higher source. It seems also to be quite independent of the will of the subject, as it was in the case of Schocke, who found himself thus led into the secrets of persons in whom he felt no manner of interest, while, where the knowledge might have been of use to him, he could not command it the theory of one half of the brain in a negative state serving as a mirror to the other half if admitted at all may answer as well or better for these waking presentiments than for clear seeing in dreams but for my own part i incline very much to the views of that school of philosophers who adopt the first and more spiritual theory which seems to me to offer fewer difficulties while as regards our present nature and future hopes it is certainly more satisfactory once admitted that the body is but a temporary dwelling of an immaterial spirit the machine through which and by which in its normal states the spirit alone can manifest itself i cannot see any great difficulty in conceiving that in certain conditions of that body their relations may be modified and that the spirit may perceive by its own inherent quality without the aid of its material vehicle and as this condition of the body may arise from causes purely physical we see at once why the revelations frequently regard such unimportant events plutarch in his dialogue between lamprius and ammonius observes that if the demons or protecting spirits that watch over mankind are disembodied souls we ought not to doubt that those spirits even when in the flesh possess the faculties they now enjoy since we have no reason to suppose that any new ones are conferred at the period of dissolution for these faculties must be inherent although temporarily obscured and weak and ineffective in their manifestations as it is not when the sun breaks from behind the clouds that he first begins to shine 
so it is not when the soul issues from the body as from a cloud that envelops it that it first attains the power of looking into the future but the events foreseen are not always unimportant nor is the mode of the communication always of the same nature i have mentioned above some instances wherein danger was avoided and there are many of the same kind recorded in various works and it is the number of instances of this description corroborated by the universal agreement of all somnambulists of a higher order which has induced a considerable section of the german psychologists to adopt the doctrine of guardian spirits a doctrine which has prevailed more or less in all ages and has been considered by many theologians to be supported by the bible there is in this country and i believe in france also though with more exceptions such an extreme aversion to admit the possibility of anything like what is called supernatural agency that the mere avowal of such a persuasion is enough to discredit one's understanding with a considerable part of the world not excepting those who profess to believe in the scriptures yet even apart from this latter authority i cannot see anything repugnant to reason in such a belief as far as we see of nature there is a continued series from the lowest to the highest and what right have we to conclude that we are the last link of the chain why may there not be a gamut of beings that such should be the case is certainly in accordance with all that we see and that we do not see them affords as i said above not a shadow of an argument against their existence man immersed in business and pleasure living only his sensuous life is too apt to forget how limited those senses are how merely designed for a temporary purpose and how much may exist of which they can take no cognizance. the possibility admitted the chief arguments against the probability of such a guardianship are the interference it implies with the free will of man on the one hand and the rarity of this interference on the other with respect to the first matter of free will it is a subject of acknowledged difficulty and beyond the scope of my work nobody can honestly look back upon his past life without feeling perplexed by the question of how far he was or was not able at the moment to resist certain impulsions which caused him to commit wrong or imprudent actions and it must i fear ever remain a quaestio vexata how far our virtues and vices depend upon our organization an organization whose constitution is beyond our own power in the first instance although we may certainly improve or deteriorate it but which we must admit at the same time to be in its present deteriorated form the ill result of the world's corruption and the inherent penalty of the vices of our predecessors whereby the sins of the fathers are visited upon the children into the third and fourth generation there is as the scriptures say but one way to salvation though there are many to perdition that is though there are many wrongs there is only one right for truth is one and our true liberty consists in being free to follow it for we cannot imagine that anybody seeks his own perdition and nobody i conceive loves vice for its own sake as others love virtue that is because it is vice so that when they follow its dictates we must conclude that they are not free but in bondage whosoever bond-slave they be whether of an evil spirit or of their own organization and i think every human being who looks into himself 
will feel that he is in fact then only free when he is obeying the dictates of virtue and that the language of scripture which speaks of sin as a bondage is not only metaphorically but literally true the warning a person of an impending danger or error implies no constraint the subject of the warning is free to take the hint or not as he pleases we receive many cautions both from other people and from our own consciences which we refuse to benefit by with regard to the second objection it seems to have greater weight for although the instances of presentiment are very numerous taken apart they are certainly as far as we know still but exceptional cases but here we must remember that an influence of this sort might be very continuously though somewhat remotely exercised in favour of an individual without the occurrence of any instance of so striking a nature as to render the interference manifest and certain it is that some people i have met with several and very sensible persons too have all their lives an intuitive persuasion of such a guardianship existing in relation to themselves that in our normal states it was not intended we should hold sensible communion with the invisible world seems evident but nature abounds in exceptions and there may be conditions regarding both parties the incorporated and the unincorporated spirit which may at times bring them into a more intimate relation no one who believes that consciousness is to survive the death of the body can doubt that the released spirit will then hold communion with its congeners it being the fleshy tabernacles we inhabit which alone disables us from doing so at present but since the constitutions of bodies vary exceedingly not only in different individuals but in the same individuals at different times may we not conceive the possibility of their existing conditions which by diminishing the obstructions render this communion practicable within certain limits for there certainly are recorded and authentic instances of presentiments and warnings that with difficulty admit of any other explanation and that these admonitions are more frequently received in the state of sleep than of vigilance rather furnishes an additional argument in favour of the last hypothesis for if there be any foundation for the theories above suggested it is then that the sensuous functions being in abeyance and the external life thereby shut out from us the spirit would be most susceptible to the operations of spirit whether of our deceased friends or of appointed ministers if such there be young stelling is of opinion that we must decide from the aim and object of the revelation whether it be a mere development of the faculty of presentiment or a case of spiritual intervention but this would surely be a very erroneous mode of judging since the presentiment that foresees a visit may foresee a danger and show us how to avoid it as in the following instance a few years ago dr w now residing at glasgow dreamed that he received a summons to attend a patient at a place some miles from where he was living that he started on horseback and that as he was crossing a moor he saw a bull making furiously at him whose horns he only escaped by taking refuge on a spot inaccessible to the animal where he waited a long time till some people observing his situation came to his assistance and released him while at breakfast on the following morning the summons came and smiling at the odd coincidence he started on horseback he was quite ignorant of the road he had to go but by and by he arrived at the moor which he recognized and presently the bull appeared coming full tilt toward him but his dream had shown him the place of refuge 
for which he instantly made and there he spent three or four hours besieged by the animal till the country people set him free dr w declares that but for the dream he should not have known in what direction to run for safety a butcher named bone residing at holytown dreamed a few years since that he was stopped at a particular spot on his way to market whither he was going on the following day to purchase cattle by two men in blue clothes who cut his throat he told the dream to his wife who laughed at him but as it was repeated two or three times and she saw he was really alarmed she advised him to join somebody who was going the same road he accordingly listened till he heard a cart passing his door and then went out and joined the man telling him the reason for so doing when they came to the spot there actually stood the two men in blue clothes who seeing he was not alone took to their heels and ran now although the dream was here probably the means of saving bone's life there is no reason to suppose that this is a case of what is called supernatural intervention the phenomenon would be sufficiently accounted for by the admission of the hypothesis i have suggested namely that he was aware of the impending danger in his sleep and had been able for some cause unknown to us to convey the recollection into his waking state i know instances in which for several mornings previous to the occurrence of a calamity persons have awakened with a painful sense of misfortune for which they could not account and which was dispersed as soon as they had time to reflect that they had no cause for uneasiness this is the only kind of presentiment i ever experienced myself but it has occurred to me twice in a very marked and unmistakable manner as soon as the intellectual life the life of the brain and the external world broke in the instinctive life receded and the intuitive knowledge was obscured or according to dr Anamoser's theory the polar relations changed and the nerves were busied with conveying sensuous impressions to the brain their sensibility or positive state now being transferred from the internal to the external periphery it is by the contrary change that dr Anamoser seeks to explain the insensibility to pain of mesmerized patients a circumstance of a similar kind to the above occurred in a well-known family in scotland the rutherfords of e a lady dreamed that her aunt who resided at some distance was murdered by a black servant impressed with the liveliness of the vision she could not resist going to the house of her relation where the man she had dreamed of whom i think she had never before seen opened the door to her upon this she induced a gentleman to watch in the adjoining room during the night and toward morning hearing a foot upon the stairs he opened the door and discovered the black servant carrying up a coal scuttle full of coals for the purpose as he said of lighting his mistress's fire as this motive did not seem very probable the coals were examined and a knife found hidden among them with which he afterward confessed he intended to have murdered his mistress provided she made any resistance to a design he had formed of robbing her of a large sum of money which he was aware she had that day received the following case has been quoted in several medical works at least in works written by learned doctors and on that account i should not mention it here but for the purpose of remarking on the extraordinary facility with which while they do not question the fact they dispose of the mystery 
mr d of cumberland when a youth came to edinburgh for the purpose of attending college and was placed under the care of his uncle and aunt major and mrs griffiths who then resided in the castle when the fine weather came the young man was in the habit of making frequent excursions with others of his own age and pursuits and one afternoon he mentioned that they had formed a fishing party and had bespoken a boat for the ensuing day no objections were made to this plan but in the middle of the night mrs griffith screamed out the boat is sinking oh save them her husband said he supposed she had been thinking of the fishing party but she declared she had never thought about it at all and soon fell asleep again but ere long she awoke a second time crying out that she saw the boat sinking it must have been the remains of the impression made by the other dream she suggested to her husband for i have no uneasiness whatever about the fishing party but on going to sleep once more her husband was again disturbed by her cries they are gone she said the boat has sunk she now really became alarmed and without waiting for morning she threw on her dressing-gown and went to mr d who was still in bed and whom with much difficulty she persuaded to relinquish his proposed excursion he consequently sent his servant to leith with an excuse and the party embarked without him the day was extremely fine when they put to sea but some hours afterward a storm arose in which the boat foundered nor did any one of the number survive to tell the tale this dream is easily accounted for say the learned gentleman above alluded to from the dread all women have of the water and the danger that attends boating on the firth of forth now i deny that all women have a dread of the water and there is not the slightest reason for concluding that mrs griffiths had at all events she affirms that she felt no uneasiness at all about the party and one might take leave to think that her testimony upon that subject is of more value than that of persons who never had any acquaintance with her and who were not so much as born at the time the circumstance occurred which was in the year seventeen thirty one besides if mrs griffith's dread arose simply from the dread all women have of the water and that its subsequent verification was a mere coincidence since women constantly risk their persons for voyages and boating excursions such dreams should be extremely frequent the fact of there being any accident impending or not having according to this theory no relation whatsoever to the phenomenon and as for the danger that attends boating on the firth of forth we must naturally suppose that had it been considered so imminent major griffiths would have at least endeavoured to dissuade a youth that was placed under his protection from risking his life so imprudently it would be equally reasonable to explain away dr w s dream by saying that all gentlemen who have to write across commons are in great dread of encountering a bull commons in general being infested by that animal miss d a friend of mine was some time since invited to join a picnic excursion into the country two nights before the day fixed for the expedition she dreamed that the carriage she was to go in was overturned down a precipice impressed with her dream she declined the excursion confessing her reason and advising the rest of the party to relinquish their project they laughed at her and persisted in their scheme when subsequently she went to inquire how they had spent the day she found the ladies confined to their beds from injuries received the carriage having been overturned down a precipice still this was only a coincidence 
another specimen of the haste with which people are willing to dispose of what they do not understand is afforded by a case that occurred not many years since in the north of scotland where a murder having been committed a man came forward saying that he had dreamed that the pack of the murdered peddler was hidden in a certain spot where on a search being made it was actually found they at first concluded he was himself the assassin but the real criminal was afterward discovered and it being asserted though i have been told erroneously that the two men had passed some time together since the murder in a state of intoxication it was decided that the crime in the place of concealment had been communicated to the pretended dreamer and all who thought otherwise were laughed at for why say the rationalist should not providence have so ordered the dream as to have prevented the murder altogether who can answer that question and whither would such a discussion lead us moreover if this faculty of presentiment be a natural one though only imperfectly and capriciously developed there may have been no design in the matter it is an accident just in the same sense as an illness is an accident that is not without cause but without a cause that we can penetrate if on the other hand we have recourse to the intervention of spiritual beings it may be answered that we are entirely ignorant of the conditions under which any such communication is possible and that we cannot therefore come to any conclusions as to why so much is done and no more but there is another circumstance to be observed in considering the case which is that the dreamer is said to have passed some days in a state of intoxication now even supposing this had been true it is well known that the excitement of the brain caused by intoxication has occasionally produced a very remarkable exaltation of certain faculties it is by means of either intoxicating draughts or vapours that the soothsayers of lapland and siberia place themselves in a condition to fetichinate and we have every reason to believe that drugs producing similar effects were resorted to by the thaumaturgists of old and by the witches of later days of which i shall have more to say hereafter but as a case in point i may here allude to the phenomena exhibited in a late instance of the application of ether by professor simpson of edinburgh to a lady who was at the moment under circumstances not usually found very agreeable she said that she was amusing herself delightfully by playing over a set of quadrilles which she had known in her youth but had long forgotten them but she now perfectly remembered them and had played them over several times here was an instance of the exaltation of a faculty from intoxication similar to that of the woman who in her delirium spoke a language which she had only heard in her childhood and of which in her normal state she had no recollection that the inefficiency of the communication or presentiment or whatever it may be is no argument against the fact of such dreams occurring i can safely assert from cases which have come under my own knowledge a professional gentleman whose name would be a warrant for the truth of whatever he relates told me the following circumstance regarding himself he was not very long since at the seaside with his family and among the rest he had with him one of his sons a boy about twelve years of age who was in the habit of bathing daily his father accompanying him to the waterside this had continued during the whole of their visit and no idea of danger or accident had ever occurred to anybody on the day preceding the one appointed for their departure mr h the gentleman in question felt himself after breakfast surprised by an unusual drowsiness which having vainly struggled to overcome 
he at length fell asleep in his chair and dreamed that he was attending his son to the bath as usual when he suddenly saw the boy drowning and that he himself had rushed into the water dressed as he was and brought him ashore though he was quite conscious of the dream when he awoke he attached no importance to it he considered it merely a dream no more and when some hours afterward the boy came into the room and said now papa it's time to go this will be my last bath his morning's vision did not even recur to him they walked down to the sea as usual and the boy went into the water while the father stood composedly watching him from the beach when suddenly the child lost his footing a wave had caught him and the danger of his being carried away was so imminent that without even waiting to take off his great coat boots or hat mr h rushed into the water and was only just in time to save him here is a case of undoubted authenticity which i take to be an instance of clear seeing or second sight in sleep the spirit with its intuitive faculty saw what was impending the sleeper remembered his dream but the intellect did not accept the warning and whether that warning was merely a subjective process the clear seeing of the spirit or whether it was affected by any external agency the free will of the person concerned was not interfered with i quote the ensuing similar case from the frankfort journal june twenty fifth eighteen thirty seven a singular circumstance is said to be connected with the late attempt on the life of the archbishop of alton the two nights preceding the attack the prelate dreamed that he saw a man who was making repeated efforts to take away his life and he awoke in extreme terror and agitation from the exertions he had made to escape the danger the features and appearance of the man were so clearly imprinted on his memory that he recognized him the moment his eye fell upon him which happened as he was coming out of church the bishop hid his face and called his attendants but the man had fired before he could make known his apprehensions facts of this description are far from uncommon it appears that the assassin had entertained designs against the lives of the bishops of dijon bourgeois and nevers the following case which occurred a few years since in the north of england and which i have from the best authority is remarkable from the inexorable fatality which brought about the fulfilment of the dream mrs k a lady of family and fortune in yorkshire said to her son one morning on descending to breakfast henry what are you going to do to-day i am going to hunt replied the young man i am very glad of it she answered i should not like you to go shooting for i dreamed last night that you did so and were shot the son answered gaily that he would take care not to be shot and the hunting party rode away but in the middle of the day they returned not having found any sport mr b a visitor in the house then proposed that they should go out with their guns and try to find some woodcocks i will go with you returned the young man but i must not shoot to-day myself for my mother dreamed last night i was shot and although it is but a dream she would be uneasy they went mr b with his gun and mr k without but shortly afterward the beloved son was brought home dead a charge from the gun of his companion had struck him in the eye entered his brain and killed him on the spot mr b the unfortunate cause of this accident and also the narrator of it died but a few weeks since 
it is well known that the murder of mr percival by bellingham was seen in sleep by a gentleman at york who actually went to london in consequence of his dream which was several times repeated he arrived too late to prevent a calamity neither would he have been believed had he arrived earlier in the year fourteen sixty one a merchant was travelling toward rome by siena when he dreamed that his throat was cut he communicated his dream to the innkeeper who did not like it and advised him to pray and confess he did so and then rode forth and was presently attacked by the priest he had confessed to who had thus learned his apprehensions he killed the merchant but was betrayed and disappointed of his gains by the horse taking fright and running back to the inn with the money-bags i have related this story though not a new one on account of its singular resemblance to the following which i take from a newspaper paragraph but which i find mentioned as a fact in a continental publication singular verification of a dream a letter from hamburg contains the following curious story relative to the verification of a dream it appears that a locksmith's apprentice one morning lately informed his master cloud soller that on the previous night he dreamed that he had been assassinated on the road to bergsdorf a little town at about two hours distance from hamburg the master laughed at the young man's credulity and to prove that he himself had little faith in dreams insisted upon sending him to bergsdorf with one hundred and forty rix dollars which he owed to his brother-in-law who resided in the town the apprentice after in vain imploring his master to change his intention was compelled to set out at about eleven o'clock on arriving at the village of bilwerder about halfway between hamburg and bergsdorf he recollected his dream with terror but perceiving the bailey of the village at a little distance talking to some of his workmen he accosted him and acquainted him with his singular dream at the same time requesting that as he had money about his person one of his workmen might be allowed to accompany him for protection across a small wood which lay in his way the bailey smiled and in obedience to his orders one of his men set out with the young apprentice the next day the corpse of the latter was conveyed by some peasants to the bailey along with a reaping-hook which had been found by his side and with which the throat of the murdered youth had been cut the bailey immediately recognized the instrument as one which he had on the previous day given to the workman who had served as the apprentice's guide for the purpose of pruning some willows the workman was apprehended and on being confronted with the body of his victim made a full confession of his crime adding that the recital of the dream had alone prompted him to commit the horrible act the assassin who is thirty-five years of age is a native of bilwerder and previously to the perpetration of the murder had always borne an irreproachable character the life of the great harvey was saved by the governor of dover refusing to allow him to embark for the continent with his friends the vessel was lost with all on board and the governor confessed to him that he had detained him in consequence of an injunction he had received in a dream to do so there is a very curious circumstance related by mr ward in his illustrations of human life regarding the late sir evan napian which i believe is perfectly authentic i have at least been assured by persons well acquainted with him that he himself testified to its truth being at the time secretary to the admiralty he found himself one night unable to sleep 
and urged by an undefinable feeling that he must rise though it was then only two o'clock he accordingly did so and went into the park and from that to the home office which he entered by a private door of which he had the key he had no object in doing this and to pass the time he took up a newspaper that was lying on the table and there read a paragraph to the effect that a reprieve had been dispatched to york for the man condemned for coining the question occurred to him was it indeed dispatched he examined the books and found it was not and it was only by the most energetic proceedings that the thing was carried through and reached york in time to save the man is not this like the agency of a protecting spirit urging sir evan to this discovery in order that these men might be spared or that those concerned might escape the remorse they would have suffered for their criminal neglect it is a remarkable fact that somnambulists of the highest order believe themselves attended by a protecting spirit to those who do not believe because they have never witnessed the phenomena of somnambulism or who look upon the disclosures of persons in that state as the mere raving of hallucination this authority will necessarily have no weight but even to such persons the universal coincidence must be considered worthy of observation though it be regarded only as a symptom of disease i believe i have remarked elsewhere that many persons who have not the least tendency to somnambulism or any proximate malady have all their lives an intuitive feeling of such a guardianship and not to mention socrates and the ancients there are besides numerous recorded cases in modern times in which persons not somnambulic have declared themselves to have seen and held communication with their spiritual protector the case of the girl called ludwiger who in her infancy had lost her speech and the use of her limbs and who was earnestly committed by her mother when dying to the care of her elder sisters is known to many these young women piously fulfilled their engagement till the wedding day of one of them caused them to forget their charge on recollecting it at length they hastened home and found the girl to their amazement sitting up in her bed and she told them that her mother had been there and given her food she never spoke again and soon after died this circumstance occurred at dessau not many years since and is according to schubert a perfectly established fact in that neighbourhood the girl at no other period of her life exhibited any similar phenomena nor had she ever displayed any tendency to spectral illusions the wife of a respectable citizen named arnold at heilbronn held constant communication with her protecting spirit who warned her of impending dangers approaching visitors and so forth he was only once visible to her and it was in the form of an old man but his presence was felt by others as well as herself and they were sensible that the air was stirred as by a breath jung stilling publishes a similar account which was bequeathed to him by a very worthy and pious minister of the church the subject of the guardianship was his own wife and the spirit first appeared to her after her marriage in the year seventeen ninety nine as a child attired in a white robe while she was busy in her bedchamber she stretched out her hand to take hold of the figure but it disappeared it frequently visited her afterward and in answer to her inquiry said i died in my childhood 
it came to her at all hours whether alone or in company and not only at home but elsewhere and even when travelling assisting her when in danger it sometimes floated in the air spake to her in its own language which somehow she said she understood and could speak too and it was once seen by another person he bade her call him emmanuel she earnestly begged him to show himself to her husband but he alleged that it would make him ill and cause his death on asking him wherefore he answered few persons are able to see such things her two children one six years old and the other younger saw this fear as well as herself schubert in his geschichte der seele relates that the ecclesiastical councillor schwartz of heidelberg when about twelve years of age and at a time that he was learning the greek language but knew very little about it dreamed that his grandmother a very pious woman to whom he had been much attached appeared to him and unfolded a parchment inscribed with greek characters which foretold the fortunes of his future life he read it off with as much facility as if it had been in german but being dissatisfied with some particulars of the prediction he begged they might be changed his grandmother answered him in greek whereupon he awoke remembering the dream but in spite of all the efforts to arrest them he was unable to recall the particulars the parchment had contained the answer of his grandmother however he was able to grasp before it had fled his memory and he wrote down the words but the meaning of them he could not discover without the assistance of his grammar and lexicon being interpreted they proved to be these as it is prophesied to me so i prophesy to thee he had written the words in a volume of gresner's works being the first thing he laid his hand on and he often philosophized on them in later days when they chanced to meet his eye how he says should he have been able to read and produce that in his sleep which in his waking state he would have been quite incapable of even long after when i left school he adds i could scarcely have put together such a sentence and it is extremely remarkable that the feminine form was observed in conformity with the sex of the speaker the words were these auta grisum auditaisa grisum modueo soi grotius relates that when mr de soumaise was councillor of the parliament at dijon a person who knew not a word of greek brought him a paper on which was written some words in that language but not in the character he said that a voice had uttered them to him in the night and that he had written them down imitating the sound as well as he could mons de soumaise made out that the signification of the words was be gone do ye not see that death impends without comprehending what danger was predicted the person obeyed the mandate and departed on that night the house that he had been lodging in fell to the ground the difficulty in these two cases is equally great apply to it whatever explanation we may for even if the admonitions proceeded from some friendly guardian as we might be inclined to conclude it is not easy to conceive why they should have been communicated in a language the persons did not understand end of chapter five warnings part one recording by paesra utrecht